Hi guys, welcome to The Impeccable Truth. My name is Natalie Corbett and I will be the host for this new podcast. The Impeccable Truth is about um, recovery-based topics, uh, having special guests on here to share their experience, strength and hope, answer some questions, and basically just kind of get down to the nitty-gritty of things. A little bit about me before we jump in. I'm 27 years old and I live in Orange County, California. I have two years sober. My sobriety date is 126 of 2020, so I just celebrated two years, and for that, I am eternally grateful. Um, so I wanted to create this podcast to basically um, create a space that we can be vulnerable and honest and raw and tell the truth, the hard truths about you know our stories and the people that come on here, um, opening up and us getting to know them and identifying and relating to their stories and spreading the message of recovery and what it looks like in different people's lives because not all recovery looks the same. Everyone's story is different and that's why I wanted to make this podcast to tell stories, make you guys laugh, feel motivated, motivated, motivated about sobriety and recovery Um, and yeah and just have fun. I'm so excited to be with you guys tonight. Uh, Tonight I have uh, my dearest friend, Nick Lucero, on the show. He is from Chicago, Illinois. His sobriety day is October 1st of 2020, uh, so a little bit over a year. And he's here to answer some questions and tell us a little bit about himself so we can get to know him and what his life experience has been and, you know, what his recovery looks like today. Nick is 25 years young, and he works at a treatment center as uh, an admissions coordinator. So tonight, instead of Nick just outright sharing his story from the beginning to the end, like a timeline, I put together some questions that I think would be great in getting to know him. Um, Some are fun and playful, some are more serious and deep, so I thought we'd play basically 21 questions, but we have 41 questions. So we're going to dive into it and we get to know Nick and I'm so excited. So not only is Nick just a dear friend of mine, he is one of my best friends. So I know a lot of things about him and I'm so excited for him to be able to open up to you guys so you guys can get to know him. He's one of the most wonderful uh, people that I've ever known and I'm so honored to be his friend. So let's get into it. So these questions are in no like order specifically. They are randomly uh, created and written down. So we're just going to kind of shuffle them up and go through them. Thank you, Natalie, for the for the introduction. Um, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to do this with you. Um, I think this idea is really cool and really. Yeah, it's really cool. So I'm excited for you and I'm excited to be here. Awesome. Me too. (laughs) Okay. Nick, starting out, what did you want? What was like your dream when you were young? What did you want to be when you grew up? Um, I think I wanted to be famous. Um, Exactly famous for what? I'm not sure. Can't really sing. I can, I can dance. I took dance when I was younger. Oh, what kind of dance? All kinds like jazz, lyrical, hip hop, all the, Mm -hmm. all that, all that type of stuff. Um, so that was fun. I don't know. I like I said, I would want to be famous for singing, but the problem is I can't sing. So, got it. Who's your favorite singer? 
I have multiple. So top three. Um, you know, Lady Gaga, Ariana, Demi Lovato, the Holy Trifecta. Solid, 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 solid. Demi Lovato's sober, so you guys have that in common. We do. Awesome. Uh, what did it feel like the first time you had a substance, and what was it? Uh, the first time I had a substance um, was it was marijuana, um, and it felt it felt very cool. It felt new. It felt foreign and exciting, and yeah, I loved it the first time. So yeah, I remember my first time smoking marijuana, and we were on the side of the house sneaking out of the house and we smoked weed out of a Arizona can one of the tall cans you know poked the little holes in them put the foil on top and then we were so naive that we didn't know that you had to like break up the nug so we put this like this whole nug on top of the can and lit it on fire and I got high and I got paranoid and I wanted to call the ambulance so bad I thought I was dying thought I was about to have a heart attack it was horrible um, but I hope your experience was a lot better than that. So what does the word uh, freedom mean to you? The word freedom. Um, I relate the word freedom today to being to being content and to being, um, I don't know, just free of free of um, any type of bondage of a drug drug or alcohol and you know, I wake up today and knowing that I don't have drugs or alcohol in my system that I can, you know, I have the choice to wake up and I can, I, I can do whatever I want for that day. Um, and I can make the day, um, I can make the day what, what I want to make it, you know, cause I'm in a waking up in a non altered state of mind or mood or anything. So, um, it's kind of a scrambled answer for what freedom means, but no, I totally get it. That's, that's awesome. I relate to that as well because when I was using I felt like I wasn't free from anything I was like a, like a slave to the drugs and the alcohol and my life was consumed and wrapped around that so I totally understand um, what you're talking about uh, what about like your favorite childhood memory um, my favorite childhood memory I mean I have a bunch of like cool like vacations and birthday parties that that were held for me as a kid um so those are those are really special to think about um but also just like you know being a kid and like riding my bike to you know the park with my friend or i know you know just doing kid stuff like not really having any serious um stressors i mean you i mean i think we still have stressors as kids but they're obviously nothing um compared to the stressors as as an adult but um yeah so just kind of living a carefree childhood I love the way you say stressors. 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 Um, yeah, kind of being an adult fucking sucks sometimes. A and bit, but it can, yeah, it can, but having those responsibilities sometimes adds up and I think everyone wants a day to like do nothing. Yeah. So what um okay, so I don't want you to hold back from this. I want you to tell the impeccable truth and I want you to really really think about it okay I'll give you a couple seconds what is your most embarrassing moment of your life like truly where you were just like bright red embarrassed wanted to crawl under a rock and die 
<laughs> I'll give you a couple minutes. Okay, have you thought of one? Yes. So I think one of my most embarrassing moments um, goes back to my dance, my dancing days. We, um, you know, we would do these like conventions would come um, into town and we would do like competitions on Saturday night. Like the, it was a convention, like you took classes all weekend and then did, you know, the, um, the competition on Saturday night. And um, we were doing, you know, one of our dances for the competition and I, definitely like face planted like <laughs> face planted like on stage during the during the routine as judges and the audience are watching and um, <laughs> yeah it was fucked it was fucked but um what did you do after you face planted <laughs> i just ran i ran off i ran off the stage luckily it was like a move that was like transitioning into like the formation the part of the formation I was in at the time going off and then the next people coming on. So like, whatever, I I don't know. And I, I mean, I was kind of in the back too. So, but <laughs> there's a reason I was in the back. So whatever. I just, I felt like got up and ran off. I love that. I love that. Oh my goodness. The freaking feeling of embarrassment is wild. Uh, what's one moment in your life that you will never, ever, 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 ever forget. Good or bad. He's thinking. I mean, definitely sitting in jail, not knowing when or if I was going to leave jail ever. I mean, what I went to jail for, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, it was it was wild. I don't I went to jail for domestic violence. I was just going to ask that. Um, (laughs) But yes. um, So how long were you in jail for? um, I was, well, I was arrested two times for domestic violence. Love it. For a week I was in jail um, each time. But still, nonetheless, like that was probably the scariest moment of, of my life. And that one I will never, never forget. What was like a day to day in the seven days you were in jail? Like, what did you do? Um, you wake up Well, I woke up and they come and they like scream at you to get up and then you go to, I went to court and I would go, they shuttle you to court and then you wait in the court holding cell all day. Are you wearing like an orange jumpsuit? You know what, Natalie? I was, I was, (laughs) um, yeah, that, that too, putting on that fucking jumpsuit or whatever it was like disgusting like absolutely disgusting i will never forget that feeling what kind of shoes they're like they're like um psych ward slipper psych ward slippers are they like the ones where they're like kind of what's that material like they're bendable yeah yeah yes yeah because when i went to jail they gave me some orange ones were your was yours orange um i think so i honestly don't remember the color of the shoes and when i went to jail i went to jail with like a big t-shirt with no bra and like boxers and no shoes like just literally barefoot and I remember leaving um and I had those sandals on and I asked I'm like can I keep these I don't have any shoes and they said no I had to return them so I walked out of jail barefoot uh with no bra (laughs) on and some boxer briefs so love love the uh the clothing options in jail very limited um okay 
let's see here. What are you most proud of? My sobriety, for sure. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's something that I I know that I'm only in control of, and I I know that it can be taken from me at any time, and that will be taken from me by no one else but me. And um, so yeah, I keep that that thought at the forefront when there's like rough days or whatever. But um, was yeah. it hard for you to get sober? Yeah, it was. There was I, many years in and out of treatment centers. How many? About nine or ten. Wow. Um, all over the country here in California, Florida, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Illinois. I've been to many treatment centers. Um, so before you got your sobriety date of October 1st of 2020, what was the longest you were able to stay sober before that? Maybe like five months. Yeah. Yeah. And that was just like white knuckling it and... I was in a treatment program at that time, you know, just doing it because I needed a place to live. But, um, yeah, five months. I mean, as somebody who's in recovery, too, I mean, you, you've you seen me at, like, my worst and my best. And, um, like, I applaud you for getting sober and, and getting over a year because it's fucking hard. Yeah. And not everyone can do that. And so I, I applaud you and I'm so proud of you and being able to walk this journey with you and help each other out and learn and grow from each other has been one of the biggest blessings in my life. Yes, I agree. I agree. Okay, so if you could tell your younger self something, what would it be? Um, Probably that not everyone that you are going to meet has genuine intentions and to not necessarily not trust everyone or like anything like that but just to be more aware and um to trust your gut trust my gut too because there were many times my gut told me things that ended up ended up being you know similar or true to what my gut was feeling and telling me so I would say listen to my gut that's really good advice I mean I think because like for me and I think I still am this way where if I meet you I automatically like okay let me ask you a question if you meet someone, do you automatically trust them or do you have to or do they have to earn your trust? Um, before before I automatically trust people after certain life experiences, that's not the case anymore. It's not. I mean, like I said, it's I don't know. I I don't think I don't go into situations automatically trusting people. Yeah, they have to earn it. Um, but um, yeah. See, I still struggle with that because I mean, I've been burned and you know, hurt, whatever, like we all have many, many times. And you'd think I learned my lesson, but I still, I feel like when I meet people, I'm just automatically like, here's my heart on my sleeve. I trust you until you give me a reason not to. And that kind of puts me in a lot of vulnerable situations, but that's, that's, I mean, yeah, that's awesome. Um, okay. So what is, okay. So not like fears, like snakes or cockroaches. Cockroaches are my number one. Fuck them. But not anything like that. What is like your deepest, deepest, like rooted fear that has been like instilled in you? Um, that you struggle with. I would say not um, 
you know, not having having had enough time like with family or like making sure they know that I love them um, and, you know, being present with them because that's something that I haven't always been the best about, especially in addiction. So, um, yeah, that would be it. Do you feel like, um, you know, because I know for me, I feel like sometimes I've lost time with my family due to the due to the years that I was out and my addiction. Like, has your family have your family relationships gotten better or healed or like what what do your relationships look like in your family? Um, they've got definitely gotten better. Um, and I think they're they're on their way to healing. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I can't speak on like their side of it if they feel fully healed or not, but I'm, I definitely can attest that they've gotten better and they continue to, as long as I continue to do the right thing. So, and that's again, something that keeps me motivated. So that's awesome. So I know I mentioned in the beginning when I was introducing you that you work, um, at a treatment center as an admissions coordinator. Um, tell me about your job. Tell me about your day to day and like, what's your favorite part about your job? Um, why do you do what you do? What got you into that? Um, well, what got me into it was obviously personal experience from, you know, being in active addiction. I've, like I said, been to many treatment centers and um, some some were better than the others. Um, but also there was times that, you know, I wasn't putting it in. So, but um, putting in the work. But I think what really like got me into it was um, the the want to be there for people the way people were there for me and um again that's not in an egotistical way either but to just show people that it's possible you know I mean I know not everyone I meet not all the clients that are coming in are going to know like from the first second they see me that all the things I've been through but Mm -hmm. I mean I know what I've been through and um you know I see a lot of similarities in the clients that come in to treatment um similarities in our stories and um you know I I try to, I mean, when I feel the time's right, um, you know, I let them, let them know like, Hey, I've been through similar things. And, um, you know, again, just so they can see that, you know, it's possible. So that's awesome. I mean, I work in treatment too with you. Um, and we both have just like a lot of the most, you know, similar passions of why we work in treatment and, there's so many different reasons, but it's truly a blessing to be able to, to do this job and it's not easy and it's not for the faint heart. Um, and it's a blessing to be able to like be a part of people who are trying to get sober in their journey. And, um, it's so cool when we do intakes, Nick and I do intakes and we see them come in from when they're like beaten and broken and withdrawing or just, you know, been thrashed out there. And then to the end of the program, where they're glowing and they're shining and they're smiling and they're laughing and this like true genuine light in their eyes. And like, Oh, I, I can't, I can't explain that feeling. Yeah, I agree. It's, and it's a feeling that that is unexplainable, but it's in a way explain, it's like unexplainable, but I know how it feels because like I've been through it and I know you've experienced that feeling too. So it's like when we see that, that those, that, that light turn on and, like that was me yeah yeah and like see like that was me and like we're knowing that we have been through that process of like things coming back and the light turning back on and watching that happen in someone else is 
is so rewarding and it's so 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 awesome to see so. yeah it's truly a gift um so what what have you learned about yourself through your own recovery like what are some things you've learned um throughout um some things i've learned about myself i've learned now that um you know that i don't I don't know. I don't. I just said I don't know, and she told me not to. Um, I think that I think a lot of things I've learned about myself. I've learned, you know, boundaries, and I've learned um, not only boundaries with myself, but boundaries with other people. Boundaries um, are hard as fuck. Yeah, they are. They are, and um, I've learned to have a little more self compassion, and um, you know, but also, um, you know, accountability for myself. I I know that. Um, I there's times I can get in a really um not um productive mindset and I'm aware of that today I can I can catch when those when those types of mindsets are setting in and I So you're just like way more self-aware. So yeah, self-awareness. I guess that's a way to sum it up. I've I've learned a lot to be more self-aware and um yeah. That helps me I don't know. It helps me a lot. What are, um, how did you get to that point where you're able to like learn those things? Um, I mean, it takes, I mean, it take for me, it took like a lot of, you know, self-reflection and, um, viewing my, my side of the street and a lot of situations I put myself in. Um, and granted, like, like getting honest with yourself about yeah, things. Yeah. Like getting honest with myself about things and, you know, reevaluating what my motives were for a lot of the behaviors that I, that I, I was, you know, um, exhibiting. Um, but yeah, I guess going back and like, like I said, looking at those things and, um, you know, I, and I, I, I learned too that today, like it takes two to tango and like, you know, I'm aware that even a lot, even though a lot of the situations that I've been in before in my life, you know, I felt were against me. Um, you know, in in some regards they may have been, but I'm also, but I also contributed to a lot of those situations as well. And Mm -hmm. I don't really have, um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I try not to like think of like myself as a victim or anything like that. um, Yeah. Because, you know, like I said, it takes two to tango. So that's um, right. But I can own my shit today. And, um, you know, I, I keep, I keep that moving forward. Like even if I've messed up or done something wrong, like a lot of the times out of just fear or anxiety, I would like ignore it or try to brush it off. And then, but now when I, I know that I've done something wrong, whether it's intentional or unintentional, like Mm -hmm. I know that I can own, own it today. And even if it may be uncomfortable to own it, I know that that feeling of comfort and free, like that little sense of freedom in in a way that comes after owning my my shit and my, my side of the street is much, much more worth it than living in fear and anxiety about about avoiding you know conflict so. absolutely i love that okay so name five people that you admire and look up to and why uh five people well my mom it's number one um and why she's she's been through a lot and she's put up with a lot of my shit and um but through everything, you know, she still has unconditional love for me for this day to this day. And, you know, as I do for her, um, 
but yeah, she's just, and I've not only noticed it with me, but the way she like, you know, cares for her friends and cares for her family and like everyone around her. Like she really is the most giving person I know. And, mm-hmm. um, it, yeah, it's really cool to see. And it, that's something I try to embody in my own behaviors today too. Yeah. Okay. That's one. Number one. Um, let me think. I guess number two would be my dad. Um, he's no longer alive, but, um, again, too, while, while he was alive, you know, he, you know, he worked a lot, like at multiple, there were times he had multiple jobs at once. And, um, you know, they, my mom and my dad both, you know, worked really hard to provide for me and provide me with a nice life and things that I wanted and things that I needed. And, um, so yeah, I, him, my dad for his, you know, his work ethic. I think sometimes I, I don't know, I maybe beat myself up. I don't know if I have the best work ethic sometimes, but I know that when I focus on things, I'm able to, to channel a better work ethic, but, um, yeah. So his work ethic for sure. Um, and the number three, um, you know, my peer, my peers in recovery that, um, you know, you and many other people that we know, um, you know, we all have different lives and different stories, but, you know, one common goal and um, mm-hmm. the way we show up for each other is something that, that is inspiring, keeps me going um, every day. So that would it'd be like, that's kind of like, <laughs> it's like everyone in recovery in a nutshell in in that a you nutshell love. Is number three, yeah. So um, number four would be, um, Lady Gaga. Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, yes, obviously for obvious reasons, but I'm trying to think of like people I actually know. Um, well, why don't you think about that? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't know. The, I mean, the, we'll do top three. Those are my top three. Okay, that's perfect. Okay, so. Let's take let's take a little break real quick and then we'll come back. Okay. Hi guys, welcome back. Uh we got Nick here if you're just tuning in. Don't say it like that. Like truly, no, take that out. Excuse me, Nick. I will do what I want. Anyways, we got our coffee. We are ready to go. Finish off some questions and get going. So let's dive right back into it. Nicholas. Natalie. How are you feeling right this second in life? Truly. Truly, I am feeling very very grateful um i know i mean i in recovery i feel like we say grateful a lot in you know a, a grateful post or a meeting but i mean it's true i am i live a life today of simplicity and that is something that i never imagined i would ever be able to do um i always have a i had previously always had like this like need to be doing everything all the time and like almost like FOMO but um 
you know, I live a beautiful yet simplistic life today. And, um, yeah, that's where I'm at in life today. And it's awesome. That's so cool. What are some struggles that you still have in sobriety that you are, you know, still trying to navigate? Um, some struggles. I mean, definitely, um, I could work on communication. That's still something I'm working on. Um, I, I, um, I mean, I, maybe I, I feel like I can be good at communication, but my delivery is off sometimes. So maybe delivery, maybe both of those at the same time. Um, (laughs) I just hit Nick in the face with the microphone. Yeah. Um, okay. And yeah, your communication could probably be a little better. Right. Um, That's a read. It is a read. It is I'm just kidding, guys. No, it's it's a read, and it's um, I'm clocking that. So, um, for other things, I mean, I think this is something that I've I've struggled with too in the past. Uh, eating disorders, anorexia, all of that. Um, I had a, a lot of I've experienced a lot of that those situations when I was younger. Um, but in recovery, you know, that's gotten better. I mean, there's still days where I'm like, uh, I don't feel the greatest about the way I look, but, um, you know, I, I know that my, today my self-worth and my self-love and my self-esteem isn't just solely based on what I look like on the outside. It's, um, you know, what comes from the inside. So that's cool. And that's awesome. Um, and then like everyday stuff, like I could like, you know, go to sleep earlier, drink more water, all of that. Um, yeah. I could do both those things as as well. Um, As a gay man in recovery, Mm -hmm. what is the LGBTQT scene look like in recovery? Like, is it like, do you have like options? Like, I know people get kind of worried about like being like being judged and stuff like that. Like, are there like recovery meetings just for that? Or like, how do how do you do that? Yeah. Um, well, it's funny you ask. I think before in recovery, like I did not, I had this like idea that I didn't like other gay people and like I could never see myself being friends with gay people on, or having interactions with gay people unless it was for like on an intimate relationship or, you know, sexual relationship, whatever. Um, but today, yeah, in recovery, I, I attend a lot of, you know, gay, um, 12 step meetings and, um, have a lot of you know gay friends in the program that um you know we go out and we we do fun shit we go to you know west hollywood and go to drag shows and we go to meetings and um you know we're just genuinely there to support each other and enjoy each other's company and um you know encourage each other on this journey um there's a lot of meetings that i've been to specifically in west hollywood at the west hollywood recovery center um, they have a bunch of great me- meetings there all the time and, um, for, you know, different and not just AA or NA, like not like one or two options, there's many options of different, you know, self-help meetings there. And, um, that's, that's that, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. It's really awesome. So, um, you know, I definitely think gay AA, I mean, I love AA too. Like, I mean, there's not obviously really a difference, but there's a few more like, yes. And Yes, yes, queen, yeah. A meeting, which is cool. It's cool. That part. That part. But um, yeah. So I definitely think if there, if you're someone that 
um, is thinking about AA, but may feel a little not comfortable expressing like your your whole self in like a regular you know AA meeting, like definitely take a step, take a you know think about you know doing gay AA. Gay A, that's what's like a gay A A. Gay A A. <laughs> Yay, gay A A. Yay, gay, yeah. Definitely, I mean, consider, consider, you know, those, those, meet, a meeting that, you know, would specifically, if you identify with that more, um, because I, like I said, I had a weird kind of like, not prejudice, but like a little bit of closed mindedness towards it before, but now, you know, I've, I've let that go and like, I have, you know. I still want to go to a drag show with you. They look so much fun. They are. Didn't you see Demi Lovato at one? Well, um, I didn't see her at a drag show, but um, it was like an event, like a like a gay like club. Party That's so thing. cool. Yeah, she she was there. It was cool. I wish I could see Demi Lovato. You will come to sh- come to shows with me. <laughs> and don't hit me in the micro in the face of the microphone, and I might consider taking you. <laughs> okay. Um. What is one thing that most people don't know about you? What's your deepest, darkest secret? No. Um, this is a weird question because I feel like I'm kind of a, a open book today. Um, one thing people don't know about me. Uh, I'm thinking. Um, I don't. I don't know. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. Well, we will return to that. Um, what is, what would you want someone to know about you? Um, I think there's times where I can, Oh, okay. Well, maybe, I don't know. I'm kind of more of an introvert and that's something I could work on too in recovery a little bit more is like being a little more approachable sometimes. I, I, um, you know, it really stems from like fear and anxiety, the, the introvertedness probably, but, um, do you have RBF? A little bit at times, at times. And, um, when I first met Nick, I thought he hated me because of his resting bitch face. And I was like, I don't know what I did to this guy. I don't even know him. And of course, like, it's all about me. So I thought he hated me. But it turns out he's the most nicest, loving guy. Yeah, I was going to say that it could be part of your um, ego and self-centered thinking as well. But yeah. I'll, um, I'll do an inventory on it. Do an inventory, yeah. And our little banters here are totally sarcastic and loving, just so. There's no mixed messages being sent. All out of love. Um, but ye- what was the question? Um, what would you want someone to know about you? Oh, okay, the, I'm. I, I really am. I'm nice. <laughs> I'm nice, and <laughs> I swear I'm nice. I swear I'm nice. I am, and um, you know, yeah. I don't know. Okay. Um. Do you have a goal that you want to accomplish by next year? Like, what's the goal that you have that? you have for your future um yeah i'd like to have my um my cosmetology license transferred to california um i do have an active license back home in illinois that's where i went to beauty school and and obtained that um but a goal is to you know get that out 
transferred out to California because hair is my first love. I love doing hair. I always have since I was young. And once I got older and realized that I could actually like make do work with it and like make it a live make a living from it. Um, yeah. So that's what I'd like to do in the next year. So funny story. Um, if anyone's friends with me on Instagram or Facebook or knows knows me personally, um, you guys know that I I've had a lot of hair trans transformations in the past uh, like six months. <laughs> Bless you. Um, and so I'm one day I tried to go from a uh, black pitch black to blonde in one day, and Nick almost had a heart attack. Nick uh, has cut my bangs, cut my hair every time I impulsively want to do something different. Um, but if anyone, he d- he didn't do the blonde. Okay, I did that. Yeah. But if Can any, I put my name on that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if anyone wants a haircut or a hair colored and all that, Nick is fucking excellent, and he does um, a couple of our coworkers' hair, and, and it looks it looks beautiful. Um, but yeah, don't be impulsive like me and cut all your hair off or dye your hair. Um, Maybe do some self-reflection instead. <laughs> um, okay. Let's see here. What, if you can remember, what was your happiest moment? Um, one of my happiest moments in my life. Um, I, oddly enough, um, just being like, I don't know. I like swimming. I like the beach. Um, I've lived, like I said, in other places like Florida, um, California, which is where I live now, obviously. Um, but I do like the beach. I like the ocean. I, I prefer the, um, the Atlantic ocean for swimming. Um, it's a little warmer, a little less crazy. Um, What is so funny? Like, I'm answering. <laughs> Stop. No, this is real. I, one of the happiest moments in my life is, like, being in the ocean and, like, being with the fish. And I prefer the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I prefer the, uh, Atlantic Ocean. It's a lot much more, uh, warmer. <laughs> it is. It's warmer. It's less, it's less chaotic. The, the Pacific Ocean is kind of scary to swim in and there's rocks and, and sharks and I mean there's sharks in the Atlantic Ocean I'm sure too but let's just go to the next question okay um what gives you a sense of (laughs) what gives you a sense of hope uh a sense of hope my higher power um which I you know call god the god god um (laughs) uh no like dead ass like um yeah no like my higher power and like having faith in something or someone or something you know that's not me that i don't necessarily have to see um to believe in that is that's something that gives me a very strong sense of hope i love that um how would you explain what addiction is to somebody who doesn't know what it is or or has ever experienced it firsthand um this is a big question um i don't know i mean i guess a way i would explain addiction is like 
you know, just really having this, like, obviously the a physical, mental, and emotional, like, obsession with drugs or and or alcohol. Um, it, or even, it doesn't even have to be drugs or alcohol. It could be, you know, food, gambling, sex, um, shopping, like, all that shit. Um, that it is something that you feel that you cannot operate day to day without. And, um, you know, it is... It can be crippling. It can be, you know, we hear the term thrown around um, a lot, you know, the functioning addict, which in my personal opinion, at least from my experience, I, I have never experienced that. Um, every time I I am using, I, I cannot hold a job for very long. I can't hold, you know, personal relationships close to me. Um, so in my personal experience i've never you know been a, a quote-unquote functioning addict but um yeah I mean, I mean and i know this this is a has been a controversial topic in in society too whether addiction is you know actually a disease or a choice or a moral failure or whatever but um i mean i i definitely i definitely do believe it is the disease and i mean I believe I today I I still do suffer from the disease of addiction. The difference between me today and when I was out there actually using drugs um, is that today I have tools and principles and um, things to to that I use to work to work to work on um, work with and that help keep me keep me separated from the drugs and the alcohol. But I mean I definitely do believe to this day that I I am an I'm an addict. So. That was kind of all over the place, but that's where it's at. On that note, what is the craziest thing you've done um, under the influence of any substance? Um, the craziest, it's the craziest thing that I've experienced or, and or done. Um, I there was a period of my life I was, you know, smoking a lot of meth um, all the time. Um, and living and living with someone at the time that was you know engaging in the same activities as I was. Uh, long story short, I had so we there was always a bunch of if you know anything about meth and meth things. There's a lot of components. There's you know the meth itself, the the tools you use to smoke the meth, the tools you use to light the meth, the tools you use to fuel the ten and two baby the, the lighters that you use for meth, um, and so that. So there was a bunch of butane and different different stuff and torches and whatever. Um, so I don't I still to this day don't know how this happened, but I I had gone outside to smoke a cigarette, smoke a bowl of weed or whatever, and came inside and had thrown either my bowl of weed that may have still had an ember in it or something onto the bed that was in the room I was um, living in, and um, with you no know, that was with you know like i said the butane and the the gas and the torches um i'd gone into the bathroom to use the restroom and um you know i was i it was quiet and i heard a little like poof. <laughs> <laughs> and um you know it's just like in school how they explain like a fire and you see it under the door um i opened up the um the bathroom door and the Tempur-Pedic bed was on fire, and <laughs> again, I don't know how this happened. Um, well, I do know how it happened, but I don't know the exact circumstances of how it happened. So what did you do when you saw the bed on fucking fire? 
I, <laughs> I screamed. I screamed very loud, and um, the bed was on fire. And it was in a the best part of the story was um, in a townhome complex. So it's like I'm thinking like if this bitch burns down, all the rest are burning down. Um, and luckily, we at, at the time in the bathroom that we had like a little hose for the shower. We turned the shower on and aimed the hose at the bed and put the fire out. But um, a very traumatic experience and a very um, stupid and easily avoidable mistake that could have been avoided if I were not smoking meth. I love that. I'm just imagining like a bed like on like lit on fire and just for you frantically running around. Yeah. That's wild. One time I created a grease fire. I didn't know what a grease fire was. Like so I kept throwing water on it and it kept getting bigger and I literally just ran out of my house and was like, I don't know what to do. I'm just gonna, we're done here. And I was, <laughs> I was so freaked out. I was like screaming and all I had to do was uh, throw a cloth on it, but fire is scary. Okay. So what would you tell someone or what advice would you give to someone who is thinking about getting sober? Um, some advice that I'd give to someone that's thinking about getting sober, I would say, um, definitely if you're thinking about getting sober, I would, I mean, I know for me, I, when I, when I finally, you know, did, you know, surrender and start, start doing the work, um, that I was doing it for me, no matter how much, how many times in the past that, you know, my mom had begged me to go to treatment or my family had begged me or my friends told me I needed to change, change my actions and behaviors um it wasn't until i was actually ready to do it and you know surrender to it that um i was i was you know able to see the results of it so i would definitely say if you're thinking about it make sure you're doing it for you obviously you can be you know have the motivators of family and kids and husbands wives all of that but um i my personal opinion is that if you're not truly in it for yourself that um, you won't necessarily um, get the most out of it or reap the most rewards. So that's my advice. That's some good advice. Um, I try to get sober for somebody else and it didn't work. But here I am. Um, so we have a couple more questions left. And I'm so bummed that we're already wrapping this up. But we have a few questions left. So the last thing or the second last thing I want to ask you is when you think of the word shame, what comes to mind? When I think of the word shame, what comes to mind? Um, shame is very different than guilt. I think, you know, shame. I think of shame as like a whole body feeling like you feel it everywhere in your body. And um, I don't I think when I think about shame, it's like. I feel shame after I've done something that I either know is wrong, didn't want to do, um, or do you think shame can be used as a tool? Like, what are your thoughts on like vulnerability? I mean, I think shame can be a motivator. I mean, I know, I don't really know how to explain shame. Um, it's one of those things I feel like if you haven't really, you have to ex maybe experience it to really know. But um, 
I think shame, I can definitely use my past experiences with shame as a motivator to not, to not feel that way again. Um, and I know that shame is really something that for me personally was always, you know, came on, was onset by my own actions and behavior. So I know that today, if I'm not, you know, doing behaviors and actions that are shameful, that I won't feel shame. I love it. All right, last question, Nick. Uh, last question is, what makes you happy? What makes me happy? Um, I think the thing that makes me happiest today in my life is my connections with people around me, um, whether it be my, you know, my boyfriend, my mom, my friends in recovery and out of recovery. Um, just having genuine connections with people and and having you know genuine relationships with genuine intentions and um genuine motives i think all of all of those things combined you know make a great relationship and connection um and i know while i was out there you know using drugs and um drinking and doing all of the activities that i was doing the one thing i i seeked for the most was connection um and I felt that no matter what I was doing, um, for who I never, I never genuinely felt connected with, with, you know, certain individuals. And that's really at the end of the day, what I wanted all the, the most, I mean, yeah, the drugs and alcohol were a big part of it. Um, but I think there's factors that, um, that, you know, different factors that blocked me from having genuine connection with those people at that time and now I look back maybe you know I see it as a god shot maybe like you know those were people I wasn't meant to have connections with and I've grown from that and learned that today but I know that the people I'm meant to have genuine connections with will 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 present themselves um in a way that those past ones those connections that I was seeking never never really did so well they do say that the opposite of addiction is connection and I truly believe that um, well, thank you so much, Nick, for coming out tonight and coming over tonight, cooking dinner and sitting here and chit chatting with me and getting and letting everyone else get to know you. Um, there's so much more to Nick and he's such a good example of what this program is and what it looks like to be transformed and from someone who is broken and lost to someone who is kind and gentle and loving and giving. Um, it's been truly a gift being your friend and I wouldn't want anyone else to come on here and uh, be on the first episode and I'm truly grateful for you I'm truly grateful for you too um, like I said I'm proud of you for doing this I love this I love this idea and I can't wait to see where it goes so thank you love you love you um, so alright guys we are finished up here thank you for listening to the impeccable truth uh, new episodes will be out every Wednesday and I can't wait to continue this journey with you guys. And thank you and have a good night.